Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Join me today, please, in Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to start in verse 16. We're continuing with this that we've been looking at. Together we can. And um, this is something the Lord began to talk to me about actually before the first of the year, the latter part of 2023. Together we can. Each, each person, each individual in the church, in the local church, as a part. And we understand from the Word of God that every person has power adapted for their part. And um, the body, the church, is a conglomerate. It is, it is, uh, it requires wholeness, oneness to move forward to do what God wants any church body to do. All right? Together it can be done. Amen. Amen. And um, it's important to see that. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, I want to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. If you have the King James, that's fine as well. But from the Amplified Bible, it says, For because of him, because of Christ, the whole body, and it emphasizes the church in all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part, with power adapted to its need, is working properly in all its functions, it, the church, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Hallelujah. So notice it says the church in all its various parts the church, the body of Christ, the, the, the body universally, and the, we'll look at that in 1 Corinthians even clearer in a moment, but the, 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 the body universally and each individual member in all its various parts. Notice he says that in the church there are various parts. That word parts in the, in the King James Bible's translated members, all right? Now, very often when we think members in the church, we just think people that come to church there. But you remember the Bible says, mortify therefore the deeds of the body, all right? Don't allow your, don't, don't submit your members, the Bible says, as servants to unrighteousness. Well, he's talking about you and your physical body and the members of your body, your arms, your eyes, your ears, your your, your mouth, right? Your mind. Don't submit that and let your members be used for unrighteousness. So we see all through the Bible that members are, is referring to a part of the body, all right? In the human body, a limb of the body, an organ of the body, a part of the body. And so he says here, notice, that the church in all of its various 
parts. So when I read that, I've got to ask myself, then what's my part? Because the church has various parts. So what's my part? If I come to a local church, I have a part. There's, there's a part for me. All right, it may be more, it may be more visible than others. I know what my part is. My part is to pastor. My part is to preach and teach. My part is to cast vision. My part is to follow the leading of the Lord for the fellowship and for the church. But every person has a part. It, it, it might be praying for the church. That might be your main part. It might be doing whatever you do in the body of Christ. But every person has a part. Every, I should say it this way. Every person is a part. Every person is a part. And notice something. It says, when each part, and then it says, with power adapted to its need, is working properly. So what does that tell us? What does that, what does that explain to us? That for whatever God's called you to do in the local church, there's power that's adapted to that. There's power that's adapted to that, whatever it may be. So there's, there's one source of power, and we know that it's the Holy Spirit, but when it uses the word adapted, that means that whatever I do in the local church, there's power from God that's adapted for that. It's funneled into my life for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So each part has power adapted to its need. One translation says, the modern language translation says, with proportionate power for each single part to affect the development of the body for its upbuilding in love. So what does that mean? That means that when every part is functioning in the power that's adapted to it, that what begins to happen is the body begins to mature. The body begins to grow. And the Bible says it grows in love. All right? Now, obviously, the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, the Bible says that they're placed in the church for the edifying of the church, for the growing up of the church, for the maturity of the saints. Of course, that happens through the, 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 through the Word, through preaching and teaching the Word. But the Bible's very important and very clear to point this out right here, that without each person being in their part, the body won't mature to the point that it should. Amen. Why is that? Because every part's not being edified by the other part. Does that make sense? So there's one source of power, and it's adapted to whatever our part is. See, the body grows as each part's in its place. The body grows as each part is in its place. You know, a, a natural human body if, if everything is normal with that body, if there's no problems when that child's born, that child begins to grow. And, you know, his arms and his legs grow at the same time. Right? His body's growing. Every part of their body is growing. Because they're, and, and, and as they eat, and as they, as they eat the, gain nutrition, there's power adapted for every part of their body. And what happens? That body grows and matures. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. So when we say bring our supply, that's what it's referring to. 
I bring my supply of power to the body. Amen. Every person's part is different, but every person's part is ordained by God. Amen. See, a weak church is a church that just comes and says, Pastor, give me something today and I'll see you next week. A strong church is a church that says, I'm bringing my part to the body and bringing my supply to the body because there's power adapted to my part. Amen. And, and, and again, that part might be praying for the church. That part might be helping in the church physically and in other areas. That, that part, it can cover any number of things. But the important thing is that I'm bringing my part. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And notice verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Body of Christ and members in particular or members individually. So he's saying you, the church at Corinth, You're the body of Christ collectively. All right, so collectively, you make up the body of Christ in that location. But individually, you're members of it. You're parts of it. So as as you sit there in your human body today, your, your body is collectively your body. But you have members of your body. You have parts of your body. This is one of the most important things you overhear in your life. If you throw up barriers, I will go on. I, I can't get anything to you that you throw up a barrier to. And if, if I move on, you miss whatever God had for you there. That's important. I said, for, for anybody. I've, I've watched people before. I've, I've been to meetings with my pastor before, and, and I've watched him and, 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 and in other churches. And he'll pull out a scripture you know, that, that maybe people have heard time and time again. And I've watched people do this. I've watched them sit there and close their Bible and set it down beside them. And I thought, he just lost his part. He just lost his part. Why? Because you didn't hear what was said. That's what I'm thinking. Amen. Do, do, do you understand that? So every person has this part. And so as you sit there, your body is collectively your body. It's, it's your human body. But then you have members, parts of your body. And that's, and that's what it's saying here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul said you're the body of Christ, members in particular. The Amplified Bible says, individually you're members of it, each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. The Living Bible says each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. So collectively, we're Christ's body. Individually, we're members of the body. The body of Christ in the location that you're at, individually, we're members. And when when he says you're members, when you look that word up, member, it means a limb or a part of the body. All right, so every person is a member a limb or a part of the body. Hallelujah. So each person's part has an effect, positively 
or negatively on the body. If I bring my supply, I have a positive effect. I can affect it negatively, not just by doing something wrong, but by not bringing my supply. Hallelujah. Do you see that? In your body, in your arm, your hand, your elbow, your shoulder, what do they do together? They operate your arm. If one of those won't operate correctly, then you have a limitation in your arm. You have an arm, but it's not operating correctly. Amen. Hallelujah. I encountered difficulty one time. I had what they called frozen shoulder. Amen. And I'm very active, very active. And that, that was hard because you couldn't raise your arm above that. You couldn't reach behind you. You couldn't reach for anything. Oh, my goodness. I had an arm, but it was useless. Right? That my left arm could not bring its supply. And so that, that effectively stopped me for a period of time from being able to do what I could do normally with both hands, both arms. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? When there's a deficit of that power that's adapted to the need of the local body, it limits the local body in its ability to do what God wants it to do. Not one amen. Thank you. Quiet in Zion. Quiet in Zion. Amen. Hallelujah. It, it limits. Do, do you see that? Because you know, very often people think, well, you know, if God wants it done, it'll get done. Not without you, honey. Not without me and not without you. Right? Oh, hallelujah. Because why? There's power that's adapted to that need. So we bring our individual parts to the collective body. Together we can. Separate we cannot. Individually we cannot. Oh, hallelujah. Look at verse 28. And God has set some in the church. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So what do we see here? We see the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Uh, we don't see all of those names, but we see their equipment. We see their, their ministries. We see apostles and prophets and teachers. Then we see gifts, miracles, gifts of healing, the, the office of the evangelist. We see governments, the office of the pastor, diversities of tongues, gifts of the Spirit in operation. But right there in the middle of that, we see helps. Helps. So I see the fivefold ministry gift. Now, why is this important? Because if the five-fold ministry gifts were enough, why did he put helps there? Why did he place helps in the church? Whatever, whatever position that you have, and you may consider it helps ministry, whether it's, it's uh, uh, greeting, ushering, working in the AV department, uh, operating in the praise team, operating in the children's ministry. It's so important that, that the Holy Ghost, through the Apostle Paul, placed it in the same 
in the same setting with the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor, and the teacher, and he said that God had set those helps ministries in the church as it pleased him. Hallelujah. So you might not just be ushering because it's a position you could volunteer for. You are actually and effectively bringing a source of power to the local church every time you ush, every time you greet, every time you sing. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Every time that you send your children back to Fort Faith or back to Baby Faith Builders or your, your student goes to Detour, they're not just going to play games and eat candy. They'll do that, but they're not just going. There is a person, a man or a woman in that room that has been ordained by God and endued with power for their part to teach the Word of God to those children, to get them filled with the Holy Spirit, to help turn their life around. Helps is right there in the middle of everything that God's doing. Amen. Amen. Now, why, why is this important? Because your part might be apostle or prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It might be prayer. It might be singer. It might be greeter. It might be helper. It might be hospitality team. But there's no limit. There's no less power flowing. Listen. Amen. That there's no less, there is power flowing to my part. Every, every service. But there's power flowing to your part. Every service. For what? The body. The body. I say the body. Amen. Mm. So each of these have a part. I have a part. But listen, individually, I'm limited. Collectively, we're unlimited. Collectively, we're unlimited. Why? Because there's power flowing to that part. There's power adapted to whatever part you may have. Glory to God. Brother Hagin would always say this. He would say, no pastor, no teacher, no minister can take any church farther than they're willing to go. Cannot. You know, when I first started pastoring, boy, I wanted everybody to get it. I still want everybody to get it. Oh, but I felt responsible for everybody getting it. Amen. And I'd feel bad if they didn't get it. Oh, my goodness, they didn't get it. And the Lord asked me one day, he said, what are they doing to get it? And I said, well, Lord, I, I mean, and, and he gave me some insight. Now, this isn't on everybody, but he gave me some insight. And I found some things out. And you know how in church, that person was, was quoting the word and declaring what the word said, and this is what the word said. Yes, bless God, praise God, it's mine. And then they would get home, and either they wouldn't be declaring the word, or they'd be saying absolutely contrary to what the word of God had to say. And the Lord said, look, he said, look, you can't take them any further than they'll let you take them. You just can't. You love everybody. But, but I need, if you're going to get what God wants you to have, I need your help for you to get it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Well, pastor, how, how did you do that? That's the operative word. How did I do it? I had to do something. 
Remember Brother Hagin used to say, he'd say it's not going to fall on your head like ripe cherries on a tree, off a tree. Right? Why is this important? Because if God places me somewhere, there's power adapted to my part. Amen. See, this involves every member realizing they have a part that has power adapted to it. And their job is to bring their supply of power to that body. Amen. Amen. Well, pastor, I don't know what I could do. I don't have any special, special talents. You can be available. You can be available. You can be ready. You can be available. You can be ready. You can help wherever the need arises. May, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most people that I've seen that ever moved into a position, you know, it's, it's man that looks and says, boy, that they have a much greater position now than they did. They might have a more visible position, but I don't know that it's greater. Because he says all these positions, including helps, has power adapted to their need. So that means there's a supply of power that's directly for whatever you're doing in the body of Christ. Amen. But here's the point. Anybody that's ever moved into leadership or whatever the case may be, I, I, I've, I've always seen them start with just being available. I'm just available. Whatever you need, I'm available. Amen. And then what began to happen? As they became available and they got in the game and they got in the flow, the power started flowing in their life. There's things that God can't reveal to people about their future and about what He wants them to do with their life because they won't ever get in the position to help His body do what it's supposed to be doing. How can God show you your greater part if you won't take part? God, God cannot show me my greater part if I won't take part. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? If it isn't nothing but I'm just going to show up. I'm going to show up in church. I'm going to pray in the Spirit while I'm there. I'm going to pray that God will anoint my pastor. I'm going to pray that the Word will go forth today without hindrance. I'm going to pray that people will receive it. I'm going to pray at night for him and his family. Lord, if you wake me up, I'll pray for him. I'll seek God about my... That might be your part. Bring your supply to that part and watch what will happen. Doors will open. Walls will fall. Victories will show up. Why? Because you're doing your part. Amen. Hallelujah. Might be to encourage somebody. It might be to encourage somebody. There are people that, listen, I, I, walk, I walked up there and there's a family in the church just lost a loved one just here uh, today or yesterday, yesterday or the day before. And, and I walked out and they were here. They were here to do, they, they came in to make sure their part was covered. But here's the thing. I, I was able to talk to him, edify him, saw people hugging him, hugging him and, and, and patting him on the back. What is that? Somebody took their part serious. I'm going to edify you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to bless. If, if people never see you, how can you encourage them? Let me come over here. If people never see you, how can you encourage them? That might be your part. I say that might be your part. Amen. Well, I'm not called to, to preach or teach, but you might be called to facilitate a home group. 
You might be facilitate, might be called to open your home up and let people come to your home for a life group. And all you got to do is facilitate it. Oh, glory to God. What, what about that? I say, what about that? Your, your, your part might be to serve on the hospitality team. But there's power adapted to that. Yeah, but why would hospitality need my power? It's not that hospitality needs your power. You need the power that comes from helping in hospitality. Amen. Woo! I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Glory to God. Amen. So this involves every member realizing they have a part that has power adapted to it. Their job is to bring their supply of power to that body. Now, this is what causes the body to function to its fullest capacity. This is what causes the body to be well-rounded. Amen. That, that, amen. Do you, do you see that? Now, now understand something. I, I understand there, there are people that can do more or less. I, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's you being at everything and in church every time the doors are open. What I'm saying is when you're here, bring your part. Amen. I, b- I believe you should be in church as often as you can. But here's the thing. I believe that we've, we've em- emphasized attendance sometimes to the detriment of people showing up and bringing their supply. And they think if I just show up and I'm just there, we, if you're just here every service and you're not bringing anything, you understand? I got, I got to bring something. Glory to God. Amen. You know, the Lord helped me see this a number of years ago. He, he talked to me about traveling with, with my pastor, and, and, and you've heard us talk about that. And we used to travel a lot more, don't travel as much now, but here's the point. He said, I'm not calling you just to show up and travel and talk. You got a supply that you need to bring. When you go to those meetings, I need you praying. I need you holding them up in prayer. And he said something else to me. He said, and you eliminate all strife out of your life because you don't want to be a weight to them. You don't want to be heavy on them. That's important. See, so so part of my bringing supply to church is keeping the strife out of my life. So that when I show up, the word of God goes forth unhindered. There's nothing stopping it. I've seen pastors before, God bless them, God love them, they just struggle to get any message out over their pulpit, and it's because there's all kind of strife in their church, and people don't care how it affects anybody else. How I live my life's going to affect you. How you live your life's going to affect me. That's why the Bible said we need to live lives that bring honor to God and honor to the things of God. Why? Because it affects the person sitting next to you. I don't want the person sitting next to me to not receive what God wants them to get because I wouldn't do my part. Hallelujah. Glory. We don't think about it sometimes. But, you know, when you, when you got a, a good greeter team, and they come, they come to the church, and, and, and there you are, you're opening the door. Hey, welcome to Faith Builders. And you got a, that might be the first smile they've seen all day. 
That might be the first smile they've seen all week. There are people sitting in here today that are dealing with things in their life that you have no idea they're dealing with. There are people sitting in here this morning dealing with life and death decisions. They're trying to make decisions that involve life or death. And that's what they've been dealing with all week. They've been dealing with pressure, pressure, pressure all week long. And they come to church. And there you are doing your part in your place, full of the power of God, full of the joy of God, full of the peace of God, and they find out everything's going to be all right just because you were doing your part. Just because you were doing your part. You were just doing your part. Hallelujah. Yeah, I've told this story a few times, but I'll tell it again. Years ago, when we first started the, the church in the Kansas location, first started Faith Builders Ministry, there was a lady that was there from the very beginning. Her name was Rosemary Allred. Rosemary was just such a sweet lady. Had a, a, uh, a heathen for a husband. <laughs> but uh, I, I, started, I started meeting with him, and, and he liked to play golf. Now, I wasn't ever a big golfer. All right, I played gym with, uh, played gym, played golf with Jim a few times and beat him soundly. But not, nonetheless, <laughs> I'm not really. I don't, I don't remember who won. But here's, here's the point. I don't, I don't play golf. But here's the point. Here's the point. James Allred was his name. And man, I, I decided... He won't come to church and hear the word, but I can go to the golf course and he can hear the word. I got to bring my supply, right? Amen. And so anyway, I, I, I went and I, I got to share the word with him. And, and he was, now he was, he was, he was, a, he was strong medicine now. He, he, he would just let you know, I don't want to hear that. But, uh, but you know, at, he, he died. He eventually died of cancer. And you know, before before he died, I was over at his house just a couple days before he died, and he, he was standing there. He had to stand up because of the pain. It was so bad when he sat or laid. And, uh, but I did get to talk to him. I said, James, I want to make sure that you're right. I want to make sure that you're ready to meet Jesus. That's the most important thing, right? Well, he, we made sure. Amen. So I believe he's in heaven today. But here, here's the point. Here's the point. So Rosemary, Rosemary just kept coming, kept coming to church. And coming to church and coming to church, boy, she got involved. She got involved in FBIMA. And, and every year we have a, a ministry positioning paper. Some of y'all students remember that, your ministry positioning paper. You worked on that all year, right? And she came to me one day and she said, Pastor, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to teach. I'm not called to do anything. I'm not called to sing. And I said, we know that. We, we know you're not called to sing. Because she was leading singing when I went to the church. And after one week of her leading singing, I met with her. I said, sister, you are not called to lead singing. <laughs> Love you. She stayed with me through that. And in any event, I mean, and she said, I'm called to helps ministry. I'm called to greet. I said, all right. And man, she would greet. I mean, she was there every week welcoming people. She had a big, loud voice. I mean, you, when Rosemary walked in, if she was whispering, you were like, oh, tone it down loud and you could hear welcome to faith builders and after they could get their hearing back and they quit ringing they were glad to be there amen and my goodness she had big hands big hands and she and she would care for some of the babies in the church and you'd see him she'd be rocking them while i was preaching and it wasn't just patting it was like whop 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 you know and that baby would quiet down. And I thought, well, it's either they like that or they don't have no air. They can't cry anymore because she's knocked the wind out of them. 
But, but here's, here's the thing. You know, Rosemary got her own place, and she sold the place that they lived in, got a place, and, and Rosemary passed away. She had a massive heart attack when nobody even knew she had any trouble and, and, and passed away. Man, we, we had the funeral there at the church. They wanted it at the church. The family wanted it at the church. And so we had it at the church. It was packed. I mean, the whole sanctuary was packed. Uh, the, it was out down the hallway. Uh, we took everything off the platform and put people on the platform. And I had different people speak about Rosemary, people that had come to our church. And, you know, to a person, they said, it was Rosemary that kept me at this church, turned me on to this church, right? And Steve Pitnick, who got born again in our jail ministry, didn't come to know the Lord till he was almost 50. And he came there, and when he came in, he had his jail Bible. That's all he had, because he had been raised Catholic. Thank God for the Catholics, but he had been raised Catholic, and he didn't know anything about Protestant church. You know, and his family never had a Bible. His family never had a Bible. He never cracked a Bible in his life till he was almost 50 years old. And, and he came in there, and, he, and he, he had that Bible, and he told Rosemary, he said, I met Pastor Steele in jail. And he said, this is, this is, he had just got out of prison. And he said, this is my first Sunday. And, and he said, uh, uh, so I'm going to make this my church. And he said, Rosemary just grabbed him and hugged him and started crying he said, her tears were running down on my shoulder, and my tears were running down on her shoulder. He said, what a hug. What a hug. And to a man, right? Now, they enjoyed my preaching. They enjoyed the moving of the Spirit. They enjoyed the music. But what would have happened had there been no Rosemary bringing her supply to that position? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. I, I believe when we get to heaven, if, if there's any such thing as a large or small trophy, I think she's got a big one. Amen. Hallelujah. See, my supply. So she recognized I'm not called to preach or teach, but this is what I am called to do. Don't minimize. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 12, he said, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, and he said, I magnify my office. It bothers me when I hear people say, now, brother, I'm nothing. Stop that. Hush that up. Well, everything I do is God. No, it's not. God's better than that. Like people will sing, and you'll say, brother, that was such a good song. Oh, such a good song. Oh, brother, that was all Jesus. No, it wasn't. Jesus sings better than that. That was you. God used you. Well, what do I say, Pastor? Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Appreciate it. And go on. Paul said, I magnify my office. I'm the, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. I have no problem saying I am the pastor of faith builders in Little Rock at 10500 Markham. Oh, I love what I do. I'm blessed to be doing what I do. I'll be getting my hair cut, and maybe I'll get a new stylist. And they'll say, oh, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm a pastor. And they go, oh, where? And I tell them where. And they say, well, I have to come see you. I hadn't seen none of them yet. But anyway, <laughs> magnify my office. Why do we think the only office that should be magnified is the one that stands behind this desk? If you have a part, magnify it. 
this is what God asked me to do. This is where God called me to be. Amen. Oh, glory be to God. Look at, look at uh, verse 18. You're right there in 1 Corinthians 12. Am I helping you at all? Glory to Jesus. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, notice, as it has pleased him. Mm. One translation says God's plan had placed each part of the body or each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. Another says he placed them in the body to function as he desires. Another says God has meticulously put this body together. He placed each part in the exact place to perform the exact function he wanted. Oh, glory. So notice, God placed me where it pleases him. God placed me where it pleases him. That's important. Why? Can't just choose my place. Right? Your arm did not get to choose where it was. It was where an arm goes. Right? You got a foot growing out of your head, there's a problem. <laughs> Something is misaligned. Right? So God placed you in the body where it pleased Him. Hallelujah. So I can't just choose my place. Can't just choose my place. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I've heard so many of those. Remember, uh, if, you, if you remember, pastors told this story a number of times, and it just imprinted my spirit. He said uh, a man called and asked to meet with him. He was a minister of some renown, and he told him. He said, uh, I'm going to start a church in Little Rock. And it's going to be the biggest church in Little Rock. He said, I thought, well, fine, okay. I mean, yeah. He said, uh, he asked him, he said, why? Are you doing this? Did God tell you to do this? No, I just want to. No, I just want to. Now, now, number one, hear me. Number one, that person don't care about the people. If God didn't tell you to do it, you're going to hurt those people by doing it. I would not be in Little Rock. I would not be in DeSoto. I wouldn't be anywhere God's calling us if the Lord didn't tell me to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Yeah, but pastor, you get to preach. Listen, I was, you know, I was already preaching five times a week with one church. I'm preaching five times a week now with two and doing TV and doing other things. We got a lot going on. But here's my point. I'm not just doing it to preach. Preachers are a dime a dozen. They're cheap. Everybody's a preacher. There's a preacher on every little street corner in every city in America. And here's the thing. Some of them are just there because they wanted to start a church. It's not because God told them to be there. So he told him that, and pastor said, that's the wrong reason. He said, you got to be doing it because God told you to do it. He said, well, I'm doing it regardless. And he did it. And I don't know how long he was there. 
But it wasn't long after that. He told him, he said, I'm leaving this church and I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. And again, he said, did God tell you to do that? He said, no, but I'm doing it. And pastor said, you can't. He said, why not? He said, the people. The people. Every part of the body has the people in their heart. I don't care if you're an usher, a greeter, worship team, AV department, children's department. It's the people you care about. You're not there just to have a position. You're not there just to get to do. It's the people. You care about those little kids. You care about those teenagers. You care about those people. You got to care about them. Why? Because that mother, that father is entrusting that child to your care. And not just to keep them physically safe, but to impart the word of God to them. To impart the power of the spirit into them. Amen. Amen. That, that is so key. It's the people. It's the people. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Brother David, Mr. King, make the statement. You know, we're not up here just to entertain. We're not up here just so you can think. I'll tell you, I'm going to tell this about what we met about one time. And Brother David said, looked at me. Now, it's nothing. It's not going to embarrass you. I promise. He looked at me, and he was talking to me about a story one time when somebody asked him to come to a meeting. And he said he went to that meeting, and there were people that, that, that were pretty well known there. And they were all kind of looking at him. He made a statement, and this, this, is, this is something that imprinted my spirit that he said. He made the statement. He said, I realize I'm not, and then he said, thus and thus. I'm not the best at this and that and the other. He said, but I know when the Holy Spirit is moving me. It's important. I say it's important. I think we've got a wonderful worship team. I think he does a great job. I think our singers do a great job. And I preface what I'm going to say with that. I, listen, I don't, care if it so- I don't care if it sounds like an old milk cow kicking a bucket. If the Holy Spirit is moving on it, it'll change somebody's life. But we, we, you have to be concerned about the people. The people. Do you understand that? I can't just choose my part. Well, this is what I'm going to do. Says who? Did God say that? Hallelujah. And to be faithful, I can't just choose to do something else. Amen. I've, I've watched this over the years. And, you know, it takes some time to get stories, right? You know, Liliana, she don't have many stories. She's only seven. She don't have many stories. You don't know much when you're seven about life. And, and I've watched this over the years. When God called me to preach, the first thing that happened to me was I treasured that call. I treasured that call. You, and, and here's what I thought. You could have called anybody else, and you called me. I treasured that call, right? That, that meant so much to me. And so over the years, I've, I've watched people. I've watched people that were highly anointed, people that I've known, people that have been part of our, our fellowship, highly anointed, good preachers. I've had people preach in our fellowship, and I've had people from the church come and say, you better not let him preach no more. I say, why? I said, the people are going to like him better than they like you. People said, did that bother you? Not a bit. I'm the pastor. He's not. Right? That person might preach good, but they can't feed good like I can. But here's the, here's the point. 
Good preachers, anointed preachers, powerful preachers. And something or other come up, and they just abandon preaching to go do something else. Listen, if you're called to lead God's people, you'll never be as successful at selling shoes as you will be at preaching. But does the call mean anything? Does it mean anything? And I've watched watched people just, oh, I'm not going to do that. Now I'm going to do this. That person is hopelessly unfaithful. Why? Because you do what God tells you to do until God either tells you not to do it or you go home. Is that right? And, and I've watched that. And I would talk to him and say, well, what about the call of God on your life? I remember I got a call from a, a pastor one time, and he was letting me know that, that he, well, actually, I'll tell you the truth. I was mowing the yard, and the Lord spoke to me. I was going to a meeting with him, and the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, when you get to that meeting today, he's going to tell you that he's quitting the ministry and walking away from the church. Okay. I said, what do you want me to do about it? He said, nothing. Because he already made up his mind. And I got there, and we, and we were talking. Now, listen, Pastor Michelle starts praying for a church. Oh, my Lord. That woman pray heaven and earth together. And she, she started praying. They had not talked to us yet. I knew it was coming. She was praying for the churches. And, 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 and finally, he looked at me, and he said, uh, he started to talk to me, and he said, uh, the exact words the Lord said. He said, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to turn the church over and, and, and leave. And I looked at him. I said, what about the call of God on your life? That, that's your part. You might think that if you don't show up and greet, We'll be okay. Yep, somebody else can open the door. What about your part? What about your part? You might think that if you're not here to usher and you just go somewhere else, yeah, we'll, there'll be another usher show up, but what about your part? What about your part? If, if God's asking you to do a life group or to be a part of one and you don't do it, what about your part? It's, it's not, the church is not going to fall apart if you don't do your part. But what about you? God does this for you. God gives you a place and makes you a part for you. The church is for you. Does that make sense? And they told me, well, I'm, I'm going back to this. And I said, well, that almost destroyed your life before you were born again. I said, yeah. And I said, so what makes you think that what destroyed your life then is going to be a help to you now? Well, I'm, this is what I'm choosing to do. Amen. I can't just choose. Am I making sense? It's dangerous when I start choosing my part. It's, listen, it's dangerous when you start wanting your own. There, there, was, there was an individual one time that just decided they was going to go do something else. They were going to forsake the call of God on their life and go do something else. I didn't really understand it in the beginning. And then 
I, I begin to hear things and I begin to understand how, how nitpicky they were, how they begin to say that I, the past, Pastor Steele needs to do this and this is the way you ought to do that and this is the way you ought to do that and if it was mine and if this, this was my building and my ministry, this is what I would do. It's dangerous to start wanting your own because you start wanting your own, you're going to criticize the place you're at. It's important. This is food to grow by. Amen? It's dangerous because it'll get you misaligned. It'll get you misaligned. Now you're going a direction you shouldn't be going. Hallelujah. The greater blessing and the greater anointing is found as you stay with your part. You stay with your part, the greater blessing, the greater anointing is found. I've often wondered, why do people feel like they got to go do their own thing to do what God's asked them to do? Hallelujah. Right? Because you, you, you look at what God's doing with us. I mean, already I found out I can't do everything. I've known that for years. But here's the thing. Who's going to teach the new members classes? Who's, who's going to teach the uh, orientation classes? Who's going to help in Bible school when it starts back up? Who's, right? I can't teach all those classes. My wife and I together can't teach all those classes. What does that mean? Somebody, somebody's got to be here doing their part. Mm, hallelujah. Glory to God. Or part of the fellowship and coming back home, James Alexander, to do their part. Glory to God. And I know you are. Hallelujah. I'm poking him, making something, poking him. Amen. I've already told him that. I said, I'm going to have you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you, you're not going. I'm going to be calling you back. Glory to God. But here's, here's the point that I'm making. Here's the point that I want you to see. My part may be bigger or smaller, but it's still my part. May be bigger or smaller, but it's still my part. I've noticed that people sometimes have a hard time holding on to healing. They have a hard time holding on to victory when they don't find their part and get in it. Not every time, but a lot of times. Amen. Realizing the importance of my part is vital. Now, let me, let me say this. I got about 10 minutes. That's when I'm volunteering to quit. I, I could, right? The enemy tries to get us involved in other things that drain the energy, the time, and the money that were given to us for our place and for our call. He wants to get us involved in other things that drain the energy, the money, the time that were given to us for our place and our call. Why? He knows how important it is to the body. He knows how important it is to our future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been asking myself that question for years. Is that worth my time? Because my time's at a premium. 
Is that worth my time? Think about that for a moment. Every, every time frame that you give to something is time you're not giving to something else. Amen. The enemy wants to drain your time. Drain your energy. Why? To get you away from your call, to get you away from your place. I remember one time I had a, a gentleman come to, to church, and when he came, my Lord, he had just ruined his life. He had just wasted his life. And uh, it was like a, it was like a modern-day prodigal son. And uh, he had a business, but because of sin and other things, he had wasted it. And he came and got born again, got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, got a hold of the things of the Word of God. And, man, he, he got a hold of seed time and harvest and tithing and giving. And uh, God started blessing his business and just blessing it and blessing it. And I was always reminding him, you know, the Lord's doing this for you. This isn't you. I'm not averse to telling people you're not that smart. You know, you were rock bottom when you showed up, and God did this for you. Andrew Womack, one time, he, his, he was down at his mother's bedside. She was very ill, and she was looking at all that God had done and all the television stations and everything that he's built there in, uh, 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 outside of Colorado Springs. And he said, you know, like only Andrew can. said, she looked at me and said, Andy, you know you're not smart enough to have done any of that. Yes, mama, I know, right? But, but you understand my point? And, and, I, and I was always telling them, remember, I always tell people, remember where you were when you showed up where you said God said you should be. Remember where you were. That, listen, there are people on the sound of my voice, before you ever darkened the door of our ministry, you were a part of other ministries, Agape Church, and other ministries that God revolutionized your life when you started going there, and as long as you stayed where God told you to be, God did what He said He would. Right or wrong? Absolutely right. Amen. And I was talking to him, and, and oh, he, but you know, here's what I started seeing. He started accepting more and more responsibilities and more and more jobs. And the next thing you know, he's not coming to church on Wednesday night. And, and then the next thing you know, he's kind of hit or miss on Sunday night. And then the next thing you know, you know, job, well, you know, you'd call him, well, what's going on? Well, you know, I got this job and, and I got to work. And I tell him, now look, that job is starting to pull you away. From your victory. Yeah, but the blessings of God are flowing in my life. It, listen, listen. You're chasing the blessing instead of the source. You got a part in the church. When you make sure the church prospers, God will make sure you prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But, you know, you wouldn't listen, and eventually I, got, I saw him a couple times a week and, and then maybe a couple times a month, and you say, well, what happened? Well, it didn't end well. Now, I've got a plethora more of success stories. There's more successes than there are failures. Why do the failures stand out? Because they are the anomaly. Success is the regular you come, 
and you give God six months in this church, your life will revolutionize. It'll turn around. Not because of me only, not because of something that we do, but because of the Word of God and the power of God. So that's the norm. Success is the norm. It's, it's not the exception. It's the rule. What's the exception? Failing. And it's so much the exception that I can take you back and point out why they failed in every instance. Because it's the exception. Amen. Everything that you've been doing has been getting you ready for your place. Everything. Look, look at this last scripture, 1 Corinthians 16. I've had people say, they say, well, you need to talk to pastor. Oh, he'll just tell me I need to come to church more. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, I didn't say forsake not the assembling of yourself together. The Holy Spirit did. Now, remember, I, and, and, and I want to be, I be as, as, as upfront with this as I can. No, he said don't forsake assembling yourselves together. I think the Holy Spirit's smart enough to know that people may not be able to be at everything every night, every week. I understand that. If you can, show up. If you can't, don't worry about it. But don't fail to assemble yourself together with the body. 1 Corinthians 16 and 15. This is talking about the house of Stephanus. That was the first fruits of Achaia. Notice, know them, he says, and that which is saying, and know they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, when you look at that in other translations, the, the word used is devoted. They have devoted themselves. But when you dig and you look a little deeper, that word addicted, it means to assign a place. To assign or appoint a thing to a person. What does that mean? They found their place in, in the work of the gospel. This family recognized their place and what they do. They addicted themselves to it. They devoted themselves to it. So what does that mean? Whatever God has asked you to do, you devote yourself to it because that's your assignment. I say that's your assignment. Yeah, but what about my family? If you don't teach your family to devote themselves to the things of God, you're going to let them grow up carnal. The plan of God has never hurt anybody's family. Yeah, but I knew that, that pastor, none of his kids are serving God. They're not serving God because they're carnal. They're carnal. Well, it got quiet. As my good friend Prophet Ford says, quiet in Zion. Amen. And I've watched people say, well, you know, you know, I've, I've just watched so many, I've watched so many preachers, and, you know, they, they lost their kids because they were carnal, not because of the ministry. 
If, if you are called to do something for God and you have children, it is the most honorable thing that there is. They need to understand what an honor it is to live with a man or a woman of God that's been called to minister to God's people and been called to carry the truth of the gospel. One of the, the most honorable thing that could ever be bestowed on a family is for someone to say, my dad is a preacher. Amen. Do, do you understand that? I've, I've had people say, well, you know, some of your kids aren't living for God yet. Yeah, because they're carnal. What if they're watching? Y'all are carnal. It's just the reality of it. Amen. It's not, I'm not being mean. It's just, what does carnal mean? I don't have the same respect for the things of God that you do. That's all carnality is. When you run into somebody who's carnal, they just don't have the respect that you do to live for God the way you do. When someone wants to be carnal, it's just they respect that more than they respect the things of God. Are you following me? I had people ask me one time. They said, you know, you, you went away from the things of God for a couple years. Were you running from God? Well, Lord, no. Why would I run from God? What did he ever do to me? Well, why'd you do that? I was carnal. I didn't put value on the things I should have put value on. Now, let me wrap this up with this. Every time, now listen, I'm, I'm talking specifically to, to families, but this goes for everybody. Every time your kids see you and you get them up on Sunday morning and you're getting them out of bed, right? And you're getting dressed for church. You're saying something to them. We honor God. And, and we're going to church, and we're going to honor God today. Right? Every, every time they get out of school on Wednesday, and they say, well, we're going to go do this or that, right? Nope, we're going to church tonight. Wednesday night, we got church. What, what are you doing? You're saying, we honor God. Yeah, but what about the things they'll miss? They won't miss anything they need. They won't miss anything they need. If they got to give up a soccer game to be in church, that's all right. That team will make it without them. But they won't make it without the church. They won't make it without the church. And it's our responsibilities as dads. It's our responsibility as mothers. It's our responsibility as grandparents. Listen, I've got grandparents in here. You're helping raise kids. I understand. I understand fully. We have a responsibility to say we're going to honor the things of God. We're going to go find our place. Our family is part of the house of God. And we show up and we find our place. And daddy's going to go today and I'm going to be an usher in the house of God. And you might think I'm just receiving the offering or help organize the prayer line. But honey, I'm doing something that's going to impact our family for generations to come because we're honoring God with what we do. I've got people in here that can, can remember and they say there's people that come to our church that they saw, when, for instance, when they went to Agape all those years ago when 
when they first started going and they say, I remember seeing them and I'm grateful for the sacrifice they made and the offerings they gave so that church could be on top of that hill and I could receive Jesus there. Somebody every week is putting something in this offering that says, I want faith builders to be there at the corner of Markham so that my family can be touched by the power of God. Amen. So important that we're in our place. That we're in our place. Glory to God. Would you bow your heads with me one moment? Glory to God. Hallelujah.